Hey, your listeners, welcome back to the Digital Adoption Show by Watfix, which is a digital adoption solution that helps in streamlining adoption across your enterprise tech stack. This podcast here is your go-to show for a 360-degree view of digital adoption, learning, and training innovations in companies across the globe. Throughout this podcast, we have many luminaries and influencers discussing about how companies across the world manages their human resources, trains them, and how they help in making their workforce the best possible version of themselves. I'm your host, Gokul Suresh, and I'm the marketing manager at Watfix, and it's my pleasure today to welcome our guest, Beth Davis, the former director of learning and development at Tesla. Beth has about 29 years of experience in various senior level positions in HR and L&D at companies like Gap Inc., Apple, Microsoft, and the latest being Tesla. Apart from these, Beth is also a podcast host, professor, keynote speaker, and a consultant. She has had an inspiring career journey in HR and L&D and has has acquired expertise in culture-focused onboarding, leadership development, sales and product training, manufacturing training, compliance programs, media-enabled learning, and new learning technology. So, you know, if you guys already feel that, you know, these are some of the topics that you're really interested to listen to the whole podcast, I'm sure it's going to be really interesting. Other interesting thing about Beth is that she recently started her podcast, Career Curves, in which she interviews people who has had curvy careers to learn how they got from where they are in the career so far. So Beth, uh, welcome to the Digital Adoption Show. I'm truly excited to host you and learn more about your career journey and experiments you've done in L&D and HR over the years. It's wonderful to be here. Thanks for having me. Yeah. (laughs) Likewise, I mean, we are are really excited to have you here and uh, Beth. So the first thing I wanted to discuss with you, or, you know, rather, I'll start with this. You know, I wanted to congratulate you on launching the Career Curse podcast, first of all. Thank you. It's, um, it's really thrilling. I have to say, I launched on my birthday, oh, okay. and it's the best gift I've ever given to myself. So, I mean, so, okay, fine. Happy belated birthday to, I think, August 1st, right? <laughs> and I believe uh, there's a story behind why you started the podcast, and, uh, you know, through that, I think the audience will get to know you better. Would you want to share that? Yeah. So I've had a very curvy career. I actually went to school to be a lawyer. Uh-huh. I practiced law for about 13 months and 22 days. Uh, and then I quit to take an entry-level job in HR. And then I've moved through my career really in human resources, starting from that entry level, moving into learning and development relatively early on, and working my way up but doing all kinds of things like you already mentioned, you know, management development, sales training, manufacturing training. And I was talking to a colleague of mine that I met early in my career, Dan Henkel, Mm -hmm. and we were comparing our journeys. And we just had a lot of fun talking about how we both started early off at The Gap, but then we went very different places. And we found it really interesting and really thought it would help others to heal, to hear real stories of how people have built their careers. Because careers aren't straight lines. They're curvy with lots of decisions along the way. Lots of things, frankly, that don't go exactly the way you want them to. And if you could hear how other people have managed through those, the idea is that it can help you be more successful in your career. So we got really excited by this idea and worked and launched our podcast um, just earlier this month. Um, And it's been really the most exciting project I think I've ever worked on. 
That's awesome, Beth. Congratulations again. And I'm curious, you know, Career Curse, was that, was that an easy name to figure out or, you know, uh, you had to go through a lot of them? That's such a funny question. So probably two years before we started the podcast, I bought the URL careercurves.com. And I didn't know exactly why. I think I had started just thinking about how curvy careers are. Mm -hmm. And that name struck me. And I bought the URL and I didn't know what I was going to do with it. And so here two years later, Dan and I start having these conversations and having this idea. And we said, you know, career curves, it's the perfect name. So in this case, finding the name was the easy part. And it was actually just sitting there waiting for us. Yeah, I mean, it becomes like a pet project in the end, right? And I'm sure um, career curves will help many professionals in the industry understand how to not get stuck in their current job and, you know, how to proceed actively and continuously in the career, right? I, I think that's the agenda for the podcast, right? Exactly. That's, ex- that's exactly right. Sometimes people get stuck because they, they think that they're supposed to know from an early age what their passion is. Then they're supposed to follow that passion and it's supposed to be an easy straight line path. And for very few people is that the actual truth of how their career takes form. And so if people can see that they're normal by feeling stuck at times or they're normal by being confused at times, that just that realization of being normal can help propel people to get unstuck. Great. I think, um, yeah, that's that's definitely a great way to look at it. And uh, it'll be interesting for sure. I mean, I'm, you already have a listener in me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Right. So, Beth, uh, there's just one question which, you know, it's lingering in my head. I mean, initially you, you did mention that, you know, you did legal. Uh, you did mention the time, uh, the exact time as well. Right. So from legal and law, you went to L&D and HR. So and that's rather a diverse jump. And I'm sure there's a big reason behind that. So um, can you elaborate on that? Uh, absolutely. When I was in law school, pretty early on, I felt like it wasn't the right career for me. And I thought about quitting. But then I thought, if I quit, what's the story that I would tell others about my career? And it would be that I had quit. And before I went to law school, I had spent a year as a waitress. And so I just felt like that combination of I started as a waitress and then I dropped out of school wasn't a very good career story. And I also thought that even though I wasn't loving law, If I finished law school, it would still be an accomplishment and I could take it lots of places. The other thing, too, is people said to me, stick with it, stick with it. The practice is different than law school. And so I really held on to that, the idea that the practice is different. The problem was I didn't ask the follow-up question, which is, is it better? So it was different, but for at least for me, it wasn't better. So I stuck with law school and I gave it a try. And after about 13 months, I just wasn't happy. I just wasn't enjoying the work that I was doing. And I thought, right now, my lifestyle hasn't adapted to the income that I was earning. I was still in a very moderately priced apartment. I still had a moderately priced car. I wasn't married or have any family obligations that required me to earn the higher income. And I just thought, as unhappy as I am, now is the time for me to make this change and to follow my heart and to follow my passions. Um, 
And so, and so I quit and I've never regretted any of those decisions. I've never regretted finishing law school. I've never regretted stepping away from the field. So then um, why L&D and HR, you know, why, why did you actually choose that as a profession just after legal? Yeah, that's such a good question. What I realized when I was leaving law was that I wanted to do something that was going to be more proactively helping other people. And that attracted me to HR. I didn't have any background or experience in HR at that point. Um, so I actually thought I wouldn't get hired. Like, why would somebody hire me with just you know, an undergraduate degree and a law degree. Mm -hmm. But I didn't realize at the time that that actually was enough and that I could get into a, a company at a ground level and that they could teach me and train me. So I liked the idea with HR that I could proactively help people. And then the part of HR that allowed me to do that the most was learning and development. And what I really discovered is that what I enjoy doing most is empowering individuals. And so even in learning and development, I always excelled more when I was doing work that was individual focused as opposed to organizational focused, uh, which is probably why my podcast right now is very focused on individuals and individual careers. But this idea of proactively helping other people uh, is, is just been what drove me to HR and propelled me through my career. Got it. I mean, it, it's actually pretty interesting. And, you know, that ties up with what I had in mind as well. So I was actually thinking about uh, the preconceived notions of HR and L&D that is already existing and many organizations and, uh, you know, many professionals actually just follow that through, uh, you know, like a Bible. And, and I'm sure there are many ideas that are working well even now, but there's always room for fresh perspectives. And uh, you, you mentioned that how you focus on individuals uh, and that should be something which is should be taken into consideration. So what's your take on the whole fresh perspectives and the change from the existing notions of HR and L&D? Yeah, so I think for me, fresh perspectives are essential for, for HR. And as you mentioned early on, I've had a, a long career, um, 29 years. I don't know how that happened. Uh, but I've had a long career in HR. And I think what's made me successful all those years is making sure that I always keep my perspective fresh. And so what do I mean by that? What I mean is I constantly ask myself one question and I've asked it throughout my career. And the question is if HR or if learning and development were invented today, what would it look like? Mm -hmm. And the reason that that's such an important question is that it forces me to say, what are the latest practices? What are the latest trends? What's happening in technology? What's happening in the changes in our business? What's happening in the changes in our employee? How has the learner become more modern? Um, how has technology enabled uh, solutions that are different than we did before? And we have to keep asking us ourselves that question. If learning and development were invented today, what would it look like? So that we keep learning or we keep HR fresh. Antiquated processes and procedures only cause people to say, frankly, that thing that we hate them saying, which is, oh, I hate HR. Oh, I hate having to go to another training class. Yeah. When people are saying that about us, it's because we've lost touch and are out of date. And that just isn't necessary. 
Perfect. And uh, yeah, I'm actually wondering what, what would HR look like with, you know, people like you around, it should, it should actually look really good in the future. Um, and, and that frankly can be all of us in, in yeah. HR, right? We, you know, HR, we all are wildly creative and we're wonderful problem solvers. And that's what we need to be to keep HR fresh, to keep it current and to keep it relevant for our companies. Agreed totally. Um, that brings me to a common thread, uh, which, you know, I, I've been reading up um, on you, some of the blogs, and I've been even listening to some of your speaking sessions. And one common thread that stood out to me is about invisible learning and development. And I'm pretty sure that that ties up to the whole idea, which you actually said uh, right now. So um, why is that significant, invisible learning and development? It's exactly what we're talking about. It's exactly <laughs> saying, right, if learning and development were invented today. So if learning and development were invented today, it wouldn't be about a trainer standing in front of a room, right, which is very visible. Mm -hmm. It would be about those of us in learning and development really focusing a lot on infrastructure and tools and how do we... Uh, create an environment in our companies where everybody can be learning all of the time. And so that means that our roles in learning, in, in learning and development may be less visible than they were in the past. And so that's this idea of invisible learning and development, where we've created tools and infrastructure that the people in our organization are learning all the time. And they may not even know that we're the ones making that happen, uh, but we are. And we have to just take confidence and, and take our own um, internal pride in knowing that we're enabling that without necessarily having to be in front of the room receiving applause. Uh, but it's critical right now that we're using modern learning tools to enable learning across our organizations at that point of need need so people can get the help and get um, answers when they need it. You, uh, I'm going to use the word unstuck again, right? You know, people in their jobs get stuck because they need an answer or they need some new information. And the more we can enable that at that point of need, the more effective we're being in learning and development. I think I'm glad that came up. Uh, you know, we, we are the Digital Adoption Show podcast and, uh, you know, you just mentioned about how people adopt technologies. And, and I'm guessing for any technology, there would be a friction wherein, you know, the new technology is introduced and uh, uh, the workforce has to completely adopt it. And even if it is, uh, you know, invisibly uh, given to them right up front and, you know, it just comes in front of them and they start working on it, there would still be that friction. How do you actually deal with that? And, there should be some digital adoption strategy that you've been using over the years uh, to make sure that this is completely streamlined, right? So what was that? Yeah, I think one of the biggest pieces of friction is that people tend to think that what they experienced was the right thing. So they become very self-referential. So what do I mean by that? If I say to a senior executive, I think we should for manager training, I'll just use that as an example. I think for manager training, we should look at some of the new tools that are out there that allow people to use an app to both assess their skills and deliver training to them at a point of, of need. Mm -hmm. Okay. It may be the latest and greatest and best answer, but that senior executive is gonna say, well, 20 years ago, I went to a manager training class. 
And that's what I did. And so I think that's what we should do today. And the problem is, of course, they're not staying current in all of the latest and greatest. All they know is what their own experience was. And that's a tremendous friction for them and, uh, and for us. So how do we convince them that the, these tools are actually going to create a better experience? And so we have to find ways to share what we're learning with people so that the, that executive can see, I get it. I get why you're recommending this new way. So for instance, we have to share with them the idea that the modern learner is asking for smaller bite learner learning. The modern learner, even if they go to a multi-day class, is going to keep pulling out their phone and be distracted in that experience in a way that didn't happen 20 years ago. So that they can then say, oh, I get what you're saying. Or we may even say to them, how can we pilot, right? It's really good for those of us in HR and in learning to adopt some of the processes or the tools that um, the technology teams use. So for instance, we should do A-B testing and be able to say, look, let's try this. Let's run a pilot. Let's do some A-B testing and find out from our managers what they're going to say and what they like. And then let's make the decision. Um, but this idea that people are very self-referential causes them to be stuck in the past and can really get in our way for some digital adoption that we need to do. Got it. So, Beth, so stuck in the past, you mentioned that. So uh, let's say uh, from all the different big organizations that you work for, there should have been some strategy that actually helps them get unstuck, right? And, and I know it keeps changing uh, with time. So what has been uh, those practices that you still, you know, tie up really close to you? Yeah, I think the, the most important practice is that it has to be part of your culture. That if you've got a culture of innovation, then you're able to lean on that and say, shouldn't that apply in HR as well? Mm -hmm. and, and that becomes really just super critical. And the way you get that culture is it has to be embedded in everything you're doing. It has to be the stories you tell about the organization have to be celebrating innovation. The um, things that you put on people's performance reviews, however you're evaluating performance, whether that's ongoing or once or twice a year, you need to be including in there um, the recognition of innovation and digital adoption so that people see this is who we are. It's what we value. It's what we reward. It's what we expect. It's the stories we tell so that that way people understand why the company is moving into digital adoption. If the stories we tell are you know, we're a 100-year-old company steeped in tradition, always doing things the way we've done them, then it's going to be especially hard to do a digital transformation. Agreed. Totally agreed. So, um, you know, that actually brings me to uh, your work at Tesla. And uh, I, I got from your LinkedIn that you were in charge of uh, the L&D at Tesla uh, from 2011 to 2017, where the workforce of Tesla grew from 1,200 to a mind-numbing 30,000, right? That's, that's a number. 
<laughs> yeah, definitely. Little bit of growth, right? So I'm sure there will be a lot of things uh, which you had to take care of with that sort of scaling up. So what was that experience like? And uh, you know, what were the pillars for success over there? Yeah, so I was in charge of learning and development. And what we really focused on first and foremost was the culture of the company. So we recognize that when you're bringing in that many people that quickly, the culture is really at risk because everybody's going to come in thinking that what they did in the past was the way that they should operate you know, in their new company. And so we focused a lot on that early onboarding experience. And we focused that experience on um, the culture. We even, by the way, looked at the culture um, in the recruiting process and made sure we were bringing in employees who had the mindset that would allow them to be successful in, in our culture. Mm -hmm. And so what that meant from an onboarding perspective, which was the area that I worked in, is that we from day one would tell people stories about what it takes to be successful. And we would use stories of success to illustrate what the values were that we um, that we rewarded and that we knew led to success. So right off the bat, we focused on, on culture. Um, and then the other thing that we did was we really would quickly pivot to whatever or part of the organization was um, at an inflection point in growth so that we could get them to scale up quickly to meet the needs of the business. So what I mean by that is when I first came in to the company, we were just starting to grow manufacturing. And so a lot of effort pivoted towards manufacturing. And we said, we've got to get that up and running because if that's not up and running, nothing else is going to work. And so we would work on that and really work hard to say, what do we need in manufacturing? What do we need for manufacturing training? How can we help all of these people be successful? And then once that was in a good state, we could look and say, all right, well, now that we're making cars, what's happening with the selling of cars? And we would pivot and then really focus on sales. And what was it that we needed to do to help with sales? We oftentimes would use the analogy of um, a vaudeville act where the performer is spinning plates on, on tall stakes, right? And, and they, they get one plate on top of the stake spinning, and then they put another one, and then another one, and then at some point they've got to run back to the first one and get it spinning. <laughs> yeah. And that's often how it, how it felt, right? Uh -huh. Where it's uh -huh. like, okay, we've got to get all these plates spinning in the air, but just because we've moved on to a next plate, we still got to run back periodically and give another spin to the first plate so that it stays in the air. But, you know, it's just juggling a lot of priorities. Yeah, so then, uh, you know, there would be a lot of uh, different teams that you're training to, right? So uh, not the same kind of methodologies that applicable to every single team. It has to be customized according to their work style and culture, right? So what, what about those cases? Yeah, that's such, that's such a great point is we always have to be um, thinking about our target audience first. Uh -huh. And to your point, the target audience across the company is going to be very different. And one of the things that we noticed at Tesla, and I've seen it similarly at other tech companies, is that you end up with some um, big groups and big populations. So you end up, say, with the technology teams, 
that's one population with one set of unique needs. They also tend to be people who are tech savvy and tethered um, to their computers. So their use of technology and their comfort for, with technology and their ability to learn at a desk is going to be one profile. Mm -hmm. Then another profile are people who are out in the field, whether it's the salespeople or, um, you know, technicians. Um, once we acquired Solar City, solar technicians. And those are people who uh, may have a comfort with technology, but they frequently aren't tethered to a desk. So now you've got to think about mobile technologies for them. Then you've got another population, which is manufacturing, which they may be in a single location like the factory floor, but they're not attached to a computer. And frankly, they're not even on their phones. So now what we need to be able to say is how do we reach these folks who maybe come to um, a computer or a learning station only occasionally? Uh, and then of course the fourth group would be probably your um, uh, uh, general in accounting, so your support functions like HR and finance, which yeah. may be a little bit more like the tech group, right? But when you start to realize these different profiles and start to say, gee, they really have different comfort with technology, different access to technology, and different needs, you really do then have to design different solutions for them. So for instance, even though I was on the learning team, one of the projects that um, I was responsible for at Tesla was developing an employee app that put in the hands of you know everybody, we really at this point were focused on manufacturing, mm -hmm. but put in their hands access to information that otherwise would typically be found on our intranet. We realized that we were saying to them often, oh, you need information on this or you need information on that. Um, go to one of the computers in the lunchroom. Well, that never worked. And so when we instead said, well, let's create an app for them, you know, a company-specific app, um, we actually found that they were happier because they had access to the information they needed at the point of need, which again is invisible learning and development. Yeah, I mean, I love the way you tied it up there <laughs> with invisible learning and development. It all comes back to being modern and current, right? Yes, absolutely. Okay, so the next bit of the podcast is, uh, is actually a quick fire or a rapid fire round. And I have a few questions wherein uh, I just want the answers right off the top of your head. All right, absolutely. Okay, so uh, the, here's the first question. So what are your favorite books that you would recommend to all who are listening to this podcast? Um, I probably would say I like books like The Truth About Managing People, which are simple reads that with practical advice uh, that really anybody could use, even if they're not a manager, because it's about you know, just really interacting with people. And that book's been around for a long time. I hope it's even still in publication. But if it's not in publication, any book like that, that has simple, practical um, uh, advice is a book that, that I'm going to love. Awesome. Okay. So that brings me to the next question. So uh, the future of L&D and HR is constantly changing. I mean, we've been discussing that all across the podcast. But, you know, I'm sure there are a lot of new technological additives to L&D and HR, uh, which is coming up. So what are the ones which you're really rooting for? I've been a big fan of Degreed for a number of years okay. uh, because I really, yeah, right, because I think they really support um, learning across the organization 
in a real modern way. And the reason I say that is in a real modern way today, people are learning from books, articles, videos, courses, um, online courses, and Degreed is a way that pulls that all together. Uh, so I'm a big fan uh, of Degreed, and I also like where they're heading around skills certification. Um, and then I'm also really excited by some of the companies that are trying to create and working to create um, different apps, like I almost mentioned, like I mentioned before about manager development and putting manager development in the in the palms of of people's hands. Um, and so I just think I just think there's so much to be excited about that's coming, and that we should keep our eye on a lot of the players that are out there. There's really cool stuff happening. It's actually uncanny that you mentioned Degreed. So we had uh, Kelly Palmer, who's a CEO of Degreed, on the other episode of podcast. And, uh, you know, uh, yeah. I love her. <laughs> it's, it that ties up pretty well. Yeah. Awesome. So, okay, fine. That brings me to the next question. Um, so as an influencer in the space, I'm sure there are many uh, who you look up to as well, right? So who, who are they? Uh, so I'll, I'll say Kelly Palmer. I love Kelly. Uh, there's, there's also at Degreed a gentleman named Todd Tober, who does a fair amount of, of research and, and writing. And I think he's pretty interesting. Uh, and also Josh Burson. He's mm -hmm. doing excellent work. Um, what I love about Josh's work is he does a lot where he takes a longitudinal view, where he's he paints for us where we've been and where we're going. And I think that that is oftentimes really, really helpful so that organizations can look at his work and even say, you know, where are they in the um, evolution? Mm -hmm. um, so I love his work. And then I think there's also some really interesting work coming out of um, uh, an organization recently started by Danny Johnson called Red Thread Research. Um, and I know she's got a partner whose name is escaping me. So I, I know her first name is Stacia. Um, so Danny and Stacia have created Red Thread Research. And I think they're um, doing some interesting work. And I'm excited by what's going to be coming from them as they continue to grow. Interesting. I think a couple of names we've been hearing, uh, you know, back to back on the different po on the podcast episodes that we're having. And Josh is definitely um, a recurring name. I'm pretty sure many people are inspired by him. Yes, yes, ab absolutely. Okay, so um, this brings me to the last question here. So uh, this is the digital adoption show. So uh, this has to be it, right? So what is the one word or phrase that comes to your mind uh, when I say digital transformation and adoption? People plus technology, okay. which makes it so, right. That's my phrase, people plus technology. And um, it's not even such a bad idea that the word people comes first. Because I think sometimes with digital transformation and digital adoption, we get really excited by the technology. We work on it. We develop it. And then at, at the end, we say, all right, now how do we get people to adopt it? And now we start at the end to think about people. And the, the transformation, the technology is only going to work if people adopt it. So people plus technology is the answer. And think about people from the start. Yep, that's just perfect. People plus technology is it, <laughs> right? Yep. Okay, so uh, but that's the high note in which we are ending this episode uh, of Digital Adoption Show. So once again, Beth, thanks a lot for joining us on this podcast and it has been an amazing episode, I'm sure about that. And uh, all the best for Career Curves podcast. 
Oh, it's been my absolute pleasure. Thanks for inviting me. Yeah, we are, we are just glad that uh, you know we did. And uh, and, you know, for- and by the way, count mm-hmm. me in as a regular listener. <laughs> yeah, likewise. <laughs> <laughs> right and uh, so so the audience uh, who may have any questions and who are more interested to learn about how to reach you you know uh, would you mind sharing your information with them yeah so i am on linkedin my name on linkedin is beth loeb davies and so i invite anybody to find me there and reach out and then of course you can find career curves um, on my website careercurves.com or anywhere that you get your podcasts so that's where you'll find me. Awesome. So also last but not the least, if you're looking for a digital adoption solution to streamline your digital adoption across your enterprise applications, then do check out whatfix.com. That is W-H-A-T-F-I-X.com. And we have something really interesting for you. So thanks again for listening to the podcast and stay tuned to the next episode of Digital Adoption Show for some more great content and some more incredible speakers. Thank you.